I'm Natalie Tisdall, a journalist who decided enough is enough. I left a career that looked glamorous to do what I was scared of doing, going out on my own. I'm a married working mom of three. On this podcast, we're going to talk about issues that really matter. Why am I not sleeping? What's up with that diet everyone's talking about? Are my kids falling behind? How do I leave that job and start over? Welcome to the Natalie Tisdall Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, everyone. It's Natalie. In the last few years, I've realized that we don't have to conform to society when it comes to how we feel, specifically what we put into our bodies. Although we're surrounded by messaging that's not always healthy, we can control our health and we have the ability to control our attitudes about our health. You don't have to think of limiting what you eat, but instead think of the beautiful foods and supplements you can nourish your body with every single day. My guest is an inspiration and I can't wait for you to hear what she has to offer. Pauline Cox is a passionate advocate of anti inflammatory lifestyles using food as medicine. She has two bachelors of science and a master's in nutrition from the University of Bristol. We talked about hormone balance, ideal foods for immunity, bloating, and so much more. Be sure to join me on my website. And if you've not done so already, I would love to deliver tips like you will be learning today right to your inbox. You can join my newsletter by going to natalietisdall.com or clicking the link in the show notes. On to the interview now with Pauline Cox. Pauline, I want to jump right into this topic of hormones. And I think most people think it's going to matter when I hit menopause, which for most women, probably just around 50 midlife. But what I'm hearing from you um, and what I know about you is that's not always the case. It's the before menopause. Absolutely. It's that really crucial period, the perimenopause, Natalie. And, And that really is It's about a 10 year period where our hormones really start to change. Anywhere from the age of 35, particularly over the age of 40, we get this shift in our hormones. And that shift can really be impacted by lifestyle and nutritional habits. And so we we can really make that transition from the sort of perimenopause to the menopause to postmenopause a much more enjoyable experience and a much better experience if we have that knowledge and understanding of what we can do to make that transition better. I remember when I was young um, thinking, oh, that's so far off. That's old people. Menopause, that's old people. But I'm listening to you talk about perimenopause. And a lot of women are having babies still in their 40s, especially with the delay of, of having families. But how does one know that this is the cycle they're entering. And, you know, some people have regular blood work, but how can we become more aware of this? That's such a great question because really every woman is slightly different. However, our hormonal kind of life spectrum, if you like, is really interesting. So as a teenager, we have quite erratic hormones. You know, when we start, first start having our periods, our periods can be heavy, long, short, very random until they start to settle in their 20s. And then again, things stay relatively stable depending on what our lifestyle and our diet's like through the 30s. And then as we enter our mid to later 30s, particularly our early 40s, the hormonal changes start to kick in. And this is where 
again, depending on lifestyle and diet, things can start to change. So our progesterone tends to decline at a fairly steady rate, but estrogen can be quite erratic again, just like back in our teenage years. And so women can start to find from their 40s onwards that their periods start getting heavy again, mm. or they might get longer or shorter or stop missing periods. And so really those telltale start signs start to come in with our menstrual cycle and the changes that we might start experiencing from about the age of 40 onwards. Okay. So let's, let's focus on that for a moment and then let's move into our 50s. So in our 40s, maybe we're in perimenopause, Maybe we know it, maybe we don't. Do you recommend, let's start with that. Do you recommend validating that with blood work or what do you recommend for women in their 40s? I think really from women in their 40s, it's just an understanding that this is a normal transition. Hormones change. How quickly they change and how erratically they change is very much dependent on our lifestyle and diet. For example, stress. Stress has a big impact on our sex hormones because it impacts something called progesterone. So estrogen and progesterone work together. They have this really beautiful dance where progesterone helps keep estrogen in check. Mm. However, progesterone has the same precursor as cortisol, our stress hormone. And so if we're stressed a lot of the time when we're making lots of cortisol, then progesterone levels start to lower. And mm. that can cause estrogen to start to go higher hence us having maybe heavier periods or some of these estrogen dominant type symptoms like PMS or breast tenderness. Mm. Now, as we enter that period of our 40s, if progesterone is already starting to gradually decline and we're stressed on top of that, you can see how that would increase the decline of progesterone and start to cause that mismatch between estrogen and progesterone. And so the symptoms of early perimenopause leading into the later stages of perimenopause can be much more significant mm. if we don't have those supporting lifestyle habits and dietary habits to to help with balancing out the hormones. Okay. So uh, I've heard you say it so many times. I want to go deeper into these lifestyle habits. What are the things we can and should be doing to help balance that? I love the way you say estrogen because we say estrogen. So how, I want to, I want to say estrogen because it's more fun today. Um, <laughs> what are the things that we can do to balance those two? I love that. It's such an important question. So Dietary wise, it's so key that we ensure our blood sugars are really nice and stable. So blood sugars play an incredibly important role throughout our female lives, but particularly when we get to this stage of perimenopause. If we have high blood sugars, it's going to drive something called insulin resistance. And this is where our insulin levels just start to creep up, creep up, creep up. And that has a really big impact on inflammatory levels, has an impact on weight. So it can really start to change our body composition. It encourages visceral fat to be laid down to that belly fat. And it, it really has an impact on our cognitive function. So memory, brain fog, recall, mental well-being, all of the areas of the body that become insulin resistant, including the brain, including the muscles and the other, the other cells and tissues of the body are affected when insulin starts to go up and they can't get the fuel in anymore. Mm. So we start to experience fatigue, 
and a lack of focus and concentration, but also this weight gain. And that creates this kind of perfect metabolic storm, which has a big impact on thyroid hormones, mm -hmm. as well as our sex hormones, estrogen and progesterone. So blood sugars would be the first thing I would say from a nutritional perspective. So all and sugars? So any refined sugar or what about fruits and things? Yeah, like that? for sure, refined sugars. So the thing to really recognize here, Natalie, is that it's not just about the white stuff that we add to our cups of tea. Mm -hmm. It's really about looking at the impact food has on our blood sugar. So for example, we might be eating whole wheat bread and pasta, and um, we might be having porridge with bananas and maple syrup, all these foods that we traditionally would think of as being quite healthy, but actually are having a really big impact on our blood sugars. And it may be in our 20s or you know, even early 30s when we're very active and we're using up lots of glucose, our insulin sensitivity is really high, that our body can handle that level of blood sugar when we're eating those types of foods. But actually, as we start to get into our late 30s, early 40s, maybe we're not as physically active, maybe we don't have the same muscle mass, maybe our insulin sensitivity is not so great, our growth hormone definitely starts to decline, that impacts our metabolism and our muscle building then our blood sugar becomes more sensitive, i.e. We, we can't handle those foods that have the really high glycemic index. And so we want to be looking at more vegetable-based, like lots of cruciferous and green leafy vegetables, colorful vegetables. You know, half of our plate can be full of these wonderful vegetables. And then a quarter of a plate with our lovely quality protein, like eggs and fish, chicken, but really nice quality meats or quality protein like fish and eggs and then the other quarter of our plate healthy fats which are the backbone of our hormones low fat diet is another precursor to hormonal imbalance and disrupting so we want those healthy fats avocados olives olive oil avocado oil eggs so the really beautiful healthy fats that are going, going to help sustain us keep us nice and satiated but also aren't going to have an impact on in inflammatory levels as well which some fats can so i'm hearing this thinking keto that's what that's the the term that um in the last couple of years people have been doing keto diet but but that's really hard for people who are especially used to breads and pastas and especially in america um we we love our carbs you know, you're absolutely right. And I think really it's about finding those empowering alternatives so that we can we don't have to give up and do without. We can actually just look at really lovely alternative forms of a very familiar food. So I love um, bread rolls and bagels, but I, I have them made out of seed flowers and mm. psyllium husk and almond flour and coconut flour. So these flowers are very high in fiber, which is very good for our, our bowel health. Again, incredibly important for our hormone balance. The bowel movements are very, very important to stop hormones that we want to get excreted from being reabsorbed into the body. Mm. Very important for our gut microbiome also. So these fiber rich flowers that don't have the same blood spiking impact are very, they're just ideal for making these lovely bread alternatives. Now they are more expensive because the, the product is more expensive. Wheat flour is very, very cheap and very cheaply produced also. 
so it makes sense that wheat flour is, is um, breads yeah. made from wheat flour are less expensive. However, when you buy these really quality alternative breads that are very low in, in sugars, low in carbs, and packed with fiber and healthy fats and nutrients, you know, seeds and nuts are very high in vitamin E. So you're getting all these wonderful ingredients. You don't actually need as much of the product either. I tend mm. to find that you know, maybe three bread rolls will do me for the whole week, but it's there if you want it. You know, if you want some scrambled eggs or if you fancy some smoked salmon and cream cheese with a bagel, it's there. You're not thinking, oh, I just wish can't I could have it. Have mm -hmm. yeah. There's something about when you tell yourself, I can't have it, you want it more. So finding that alternative is, and one thing I notice often is the popularity of carb-free or even gluten-free that there are so many products out there now that really aren't that good for you, but they say gluten-free or keto, but they're loaded with other things that we don't want. Do you find that as well? Absolutely, Natalie. And I think you've made such a great point that it's so important to look at labels and just look for those simple ingredients, mm. coconut flour, almond flour, psyllium husk, which is a really nice rich source of fiber, maybe coconut oil. It could be that there's some seed flowers like sesame in there or chia seed. If you start looking at these gluten-free products and you, you don't recognize the name of the ingredient, you know, don't buy it. Those really <laughs> long <it> words. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. It's probably no. not good. <laughs> and you know, the, the really beautiful thing about this way of eating is A, it does encourage us to burn our own fat for fuel. So it really helps with hunger. It stops that blood sugar roller coaster, which really drives eating, eating, eating. And as we get over about the age of 40, because of the hormonal shift, we do find that our metabolic rate starts slowing and our hunger levels start increasing. Mm. So things like growth hormone and testosterone lower, then things like leptin and ghrelin, our hunger hormones increase, insulin increases. So we find this shift in hormones tends to drive increased appetite, but slower metabolism. So we do want to start being more focused and cautious about the foods that we kind of got away with eating in our 20s, the, you know, the fast food, the processed food, the sugars, drinking maybe every other night or partying a lot. There's a transition. And part of having this great menopausal period leading into menopause is about accepting that, you know, I can't eat and drink and, and live like I used to. Now is the time that I really want to start focusing on looking after my brain health and my liver health and my gut health and really making this transition through and, and thinking about where do I want to be in my 80s and 90s and how I want to protect my brain function. Because, you know, over the age of 50, Natalie, the biggest killer in women is heart disease. But over the age of 75, the biggest killer in women is Alzheimer's. So we, we really want to be thinking about how diet and lifestyle impact those statistics and how we can protect ourselves from being one of those statistics. So you talked um, about that stage of perimenopause. How does a woman know I've hit menopause? Is it strictly that I've stopped having periods? Um, how do you know when that's what it is and what should you be doing differently there? Or are all the things you just spoke about, do they apply to menopause? 
Are you looking for ways to stay energized, healthy, and help your family stay healthy? I've started taking supplements from Seeking Health, and it has changed the game for me. I no longer worry that my family is getting enough of the vitamins we need, and I know the quality of what we're taking is top-notch. I take an immunity support supplement, magnesium, and several others, including electrolytes to stay hydrated. So many people ask me about these supplements that I've made it really easy for you to find right on my website, natalietisdall.com slash favorites. Also bonus, I have a coupon code to help you save 10% on your order. You will find that coupon code on the website as well. Go to natalietisdall.com slash favorites, click on seeking health. I may earn a small commission if you purchase there, but that's just to help my small business grow the website and the podcast to keep this news and good interviews coming your way. Again, natalietisdall.com slash favorites and click on seeking health. Yes, they really apply to this leader. Mm -hmm. So menopause is defined as one year of no period. So we've stopped having the bleeding for exactly 12 months and then technically that's your menopause. So it's this period leading up to menopause. And actually we really, there's no, there's no time that's too early to be preparing our bodies for balancing female health because, you know, in our twenties, we're sort of, maybe looking at having children in our later 20s or early 30s. So we really want to be focused on stabilizing hormones and optimizing fertility. After we've had children, if we do want children, then at that point, again, we want to be looking at stabilizing hormones because many women in their 30s now aren't just juggling motherhood, they're juggling work and the stress of family life and taxiing children everywhere. You know, women don't have that same lifestyle as maybe 30, 40 years ago, women would have this much more emotional and physical stress yeah. on women. So even in our thirties, we really want to be thinking, how do I support my liver? How do I support my gut health? Mm. How do I eat to really balance my hormones and optimize my energy levels, my sleep? And then from forties onwards, again, really important to be thinking, Am I self-medicating with sugar and caffeine and alcohol? And what's that actually doing to me? I might feel better in that moment, but actually what's it doing to my hormones and my sleep and my blood sugars and my body composition and how's it impacting my mental well-being and my energy and my relationship with myself? So it's about maybe just examining those habits that we have going on in our life and thinking, what could I be doing as an alternative to give myself that stress relief and that that vice that's that's going to be impacting my health in a really positive way rather than something that short term feels good, but actually it's having a really negative impact on my overall long term health. Yeah. How does this apply to families? Like I, I have three children and I am always trying. I mean, I feel like I'm not successful at it, but I keep trying <laughs> of telling them eat from the earth, like the color in your food should come from the ground, like so many additives and colors. And so I feel like what you're saying is good for anyone. I mean, we're, we're speaking about women and hormones, but how do you balance this with a family and a husband and, you know, the 12 year old picky son who doesn't want to eat what I eat? 
Yes. Oh, Natalie, that's such a great question. And I have a 12 year old son also. Who, <laughs> so I, I, I hear what you're saying. And really what children tend to do is model those around mm -hmm. them. So I don't force the children to eat certain foods, but what I do is encourage them to select. So by putting things on the table, everyone's sitting down together to eat and and seeing, you know, mum and dad eating blueberries and strawberries or having some lovely steamed broccoli with some nice great, um, cracked pepper and salt on there or having carrots with some hummus. So finding those, like make your battles easy and choose your battles. So if they'll eat carrots and peppers, but they're not eating their broccoli, hey, that's a win. Yeah. You know, it, it's really about encouraging the behaviors that they're already showing a little bit of as opposed to berating the ones that they're not getting quite right yet yeah. so i've always found offering a selection and finding a compromise you know if they want pizza fantastic let's make one ourselves and let's add on some you know some peppers on there and let's have it with some greens and let's pair it up and team it up with other things that are going to be really healthful for them but they still get some of the foods that they love as well yeah and the alternative type crust i'm imagining too what do you make pizza with quirky in ingredients tell but me it, i want to know <laughs> well again it it comes back to the seed flowers so things like almond flour and egg and coconut oil you know that my children are fortunate in that they've grown up in the environment that I'm in. The biggest challenge I find is when they're outside of the environment. So, you know, going to school and parties and friends' houses and, you know, they're, they're like, well, I want the M&Ms and I want the foods that other kids might have more readily and foods that I'm less encouraging of um, and actually just don't even buy in the house so that when they're hungry, they'll grab a banana or if they want something a little sweeter then we're like right okay let's make let's make some nice muffins but making them out of almond flour and eggs and bananas and maybe some choc chips in there too so it's having that kind of armory of things in the fridge and in the cupboard that when they want something and when they're hungry enough they'll start picking at the grapes and they'll start um you know, just helping themselves to the slices of charcuterie meats or cheese. I find cheese boards are great for mealtime, just putting up some nice raw cheeses and some grapes and some chopped up fruit salads. Making things look really appealing for the eyes works very, very well with children as well. Yeah. And from the earth, like, you know, I, I just say that and I'm sure they're tired of me saying it. Okay. So I want people to access more of your information because I know you put a lot of it out there and I, I just love the way you describe it and the way you present it. So how can uh, women who are interested in changing all of these things or getting on a better routine, get more information from you? Well, I run a free Facebook group called healthy keto and low carb living. And so that's a nice place to just dip your toe into and have a look at what people are sharing in terms of ingredients and recipes and food ideas. If you're looking for more structured support in a, a slightly more formal setting, then I also run a women's health membership, which every month I do two lives on various subjects. So at the mm -hmm. moment, I'm running a, a hormone series for the next five months, which sounds like a really long time, but actually there's so much to get to grips with with hormones. And I feel like it's not just a one topic, 
um, recording. It's something that I love women to really get to grips with understanding, you know, the impact of eating for our brain protection when we get to this perimenopausal age, the impact of exercise on pelvic floor health. So there's a whole series of subjects we're covering in that membership. And it's a membership that's it's really appropriate for women of all ages from teenage 20s right through to 80s and 90s because your body is incredibly responsive and it will change at any age. And I've had a lady, gosh, she was 76 when she joined and had incredible changes to an autoimmune condition she'd been suffering for many, many, many years. So it's something that our body is very forgiving and can always find room for improvement. I think that's really important. And and you know, I'm struggling with lack of energy in the afternoon and I blame it on other things. Say, oh, I'm just busier. I have a heavy load or I've been traveling and, and yet taking that step back and saying, well, wait a minute, what have I been eating? Have I been exercising as much instead of blaming it on other things. Absolutely. And we do tend to normalize, Natalie, we normalize uh, period issues like heavy periods or skip periods. We normalize tiredness. We normalize lack of sleep. We normalize Mm. feeling anxious. But actually, when we start looking at the different components that build great mental health and great physical energy and great sleep and hormonal balance, there is so much we can do to empower ourselves with our hormone journey and our health journey and our health outcomes at any stage in our life. Can I ask you about um, following up on that? When a woman hits menopause, and this is one of those things when you're young, you think I'll never have to deal with that. And when they're doing everything you're talking about, are hormone supplements something that you can avoid if you're doing all of these things? As I know so many people go to their doctor and say, I just have to take the hormones. The answer to that is yes, absolutely. You can have this very natural transition from perimenopause to menopause without having, you know, hot flashes and Mm -hmm. and masses of anxiety and insomnia because those things really start to happen. For example, estrogen plays an enormous role in helping glucose to be taken up by the neurons in the brain. And so as our estrogen starts to decline, that lack of intake of glucose into the brain causes this memory brain Mm -hmm. fog inability to think it's the same with the mitochondria which are the batteries of our cells we have receptors for estrogen on those and so when our estrogen levels go down we get this real state of fatigue now how rapidly estrogen declines again hugely depends upon lifestyle stress dietary and so you can have a very great transition, but our lifestyle and dietary choices are cumulative over the decades. And so this is why I was saying it's never too early to start really thinking about, you know, nutritional density, gut health, liver function, healthy fats, balancing hormones, insulin sensitivity, and blood sugars, all of these things that build a really strong foundation at any stage in our life, but particularly as we go from our thirties to forties and from forties into that menopausal stage. Yeah. And I want to encourage women to not feel overwhelmed by it because for some, all of this sounds like so much. I mean, some of us have heard these terms and being a health reporter for many years I have, but for other people to think, Oh my goodness, you're talking about 10 different things. I don't know what half of these words mean that it's doable and it's really not that hard. These are just foods. And most of them are 
just natural foods versus a lot of processed foods. Absolutely, Natalie. And uh, yes, and, and I totally reiterate what you're saying, but it's a step-by-step process and you don't want to add more stress to yourself by thinking I can't have this and I must do that. Mm-hmm. It's about becoming really intuitive with your eating and understanding what are the foods that support your health and how you overcome those cravings, maybe why you're getting those cravings and maybe the foods that you're eating at the moment are working against you. Mm-hmm. And so it's this gentle transition over into different foods. And you know, I've had women saying to me, but I don't like vegetables and oh, I really, ugh, I can't eat this and I don't like that. And that's okay. It's about finding the foods you do like, working with those and hey, you know what? So many women turn around a month or two down the line and say, my taste buds have changed so much. And now I really love some nice steamed broccoli with salt. And I love my my scrambled eggs. And it's a very, very interesting journey that women take when they start falling in love with taking care of themselves and seeing food as a very powerful form of medicine to support their health journey. I love that. Falling in love with taking care of yourself. What a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am just so thrilled that, that we had this conversation. You've inspired me to do things a little bit differently. Um, and to find that energy again, that I feel like I've been losing and I know there are people out there. They tell me all the time they are too. So thank you. Where can people get the information you spoke of just a moment ago on your membership and on your Facebook group? So the Facebook group is called Healthy Keto and Low Carb Living. Um, The membership, we have a website, which is Fat Burning Females. So it's really about helping women to access that fat burning power again and get away from being sugar burners. And so with your listeners, Natalie, if they use the code HAPPYHORMONES, they will get a 20% discount Mm -hmm. on the annual um, membership. So that's saving over $100. Um, Dollar-wise, it's $520 for the year, which gives you access to, well, you get a one-to-one with myself and my other colleague. You also get access to all the library videos, the bi-monthly lives, a private Facebook group. It's an incredibly supportive environment, and we've kept it as cost-effective as we can for the females joining so that they really get this opportunity to get this kind of quality interaction without paying for that one-to-one that a lot of people maybe it's out of their means. So, And having that supportive community in your friends, uh, online, all of that, boy, that makes all the difference too. It really does from an accountability perspective, mm-hmm. but also a support perspective, just mm-hmm. asking the question, is this normal? Or mm-hmm. I'm struggling with this. Is mm-hmm. anyone else? And having that community of women in that group is, it really makes a difference. It's like having your hand held through this journey. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's great to talk to you. And I look forward to catching up again soon, getting more tips on um, how we can eat healthy and just feel better as women. Thank you, Natalie. It's been so lovely speaking to you today. And I look forward to catching up with you again too also. Okay. We'll do that. Thank you. Thank you for joining the Natalie Tisdall podcast. You can follow along on Instagram and at natalietisdall.com. Subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave a review so I can continue to bring you fresh content. See you next week.